Hi, this is Helen, and thank you for joining me for a cup of teal. Teal is shorthand for the future of work. It means bringing your whole self to work, a focus on purpose and self-management. And this podcast is a chat over a cup of tea with the people who are making this happen in health, care and public services. Stories of self-management in action. Sir John Timpson is not a name often associated with self-management. He was mentor to Avril Delaney, who worked as the Director of Nursing at the Cheshire and Wirral Partnership Trust for over 17 years. She wanted to explore self-management, or self-driving as she calls it, as a way to improve outcomes for people, reduce red tape and encourage innovation. This builds on her early investment in person-centred practices and a partnership with the CCG and the local authority. Avril saw this as an opportunity to bring together person-centred practices, inspiration from Burtzorg and St John Timpson and his upside-down management model. She wanted to balance clear standards and autonomy and look how this could make a difference in the NHS. She talked us about the results of the first neighbourhood team in the rural village of Mulpas. I had the pleasure of co-facilitating the design day with Brendan from Burtzorg, Britain and Ireland. And Avril describes what happens next, the composition and work of the team and the evaluation. I've been a director for 17 years and over the years I've realised that in public services we can fall into the trap of over-processing care so for good intentions to try and eliminate harm and um, but in doing that sometimes we stifle innovation and relationships so I was looking for a way of finding a good balance between having some structure and standards so that we have shared learning and can improve across a big footprint that we cover but I was also looking for ways of reducing some of the red tape that we we put around things and freeing our nurses in particular to work at the edge of their practice um, knowing that if they were able to do this and to really connect with people then first of all people will get a better experience but they would also get better outcomes. Thank you and I know that this builds on a significant amount of work that you and your colleagues have done around person-centred practices and person-centred approaches, both for individuals you support and for teams. And I'm aware that that the self-managing teams brought together a range of different people across different organisations. So who did you end up partnering with to make this possible? Well, we work very closely with West Cheshire Clinical Commissioning Group and also Cheshire West and Chester Local Authority as well as the community that we chose a rural community to start with and we work very closely with third sector and care organisations in that community as well. And I remember the design day um, that you had, mm-hmm. I was fortunate to be part of, with Brendan from Burtzorg, Britain and Ireland, where all the stakeholders came together to co-design what was going to yeah. happen next. But you did something really quite different because you've been a colleague and working closely with John Timpson for a long time, haven't you? Yes, I've been having conversations with Sir John since about 2014. 
about his style of leadership, his upside down management model, and how that might make a difference to the NHS. I was fascinated by the way that Timpsons had had a traditionally run organisation and then they'd realised that actually they got the best outcomes and it made best business sense if they gave more autonomy to the people who were actually running the shops. And also he did well in reducing the hierarchy, developing roles so area managers have a much more coaching role and he encourages people to make decisions and to run their shops in the way that they know is the best way to run their, their own shop. He was very good at having standards and being very clear about those standards and holding people to account for those standards, as well as freeing people to be very innovative in the way that they provided those services. So I've looked very closely at how that could work in the NHS. So as we were developing the self-driving team, it really helped me to challenge our organisation about what we needed to do to sometimes buffer the team from some of the things that, that go on in the bigger system, but also to remove some of the obstacles. So we worked with support teams like HR and finance to help them to understand what a self-driving team is and how they needed to support this team in a different way. As an organisation, we've also adopted the upside down approach and the board sees its role as supporting teams to be at their best so that they'll be given the best care. So it's been five years of a journey, but it's got such great synergies with neighbourhoods and the Birdsall model that it was just a brilliant opportunity to bring it all together and take the best from each of those approaches and bring it all together into one team. And after I met with you and John and we're talking about this, I went to our local Timpsons branch and asked them about it too. So it's absolutely fascinating. So I think you're the first person to, to explore bringing together those ideas in a particular way. What happened next? How did you decide how the first team would be put together and who would join it? Well, a lot of that was shaped at the design day. Um, we co-designed the vision for the service. And we agreed the two main principles, which were that it would be a team that would do the right thing and also be constantly reflective, looking for ways to improve care. So at that away day with all the stakeholders, we worked out who needed to be directly in the team and who needed to be supporters of the team. From there, we worked with colleagues, we didn't have a clean sheet because we already had a service in that area, but we worked very closely with your team to help our colleagues to, to work out who wanted to work in this way and who was more drawn to the traditional ways of working. And we supported them to find roles elsewhere in CWP. So the people in the original team were made up of people who were already working in that area. And then we introduced new roles like the mental health worker, the community connector role, so that the, the team 
would pull together to focus on what mattered to the, the people in that area. And then the, the nurses and the physios and the OTs could do what they needed to contribute to help people to be at their best. Thank you. So how would you describe the team? Could you list the professionals all the different roles that were part of the team? You've mentioned a few there. And how big was it overall? So in the team, we've got five community nurses, a mental health worker, an occupational therapist, a physiotherapist, a social worker, a care coordinator, a wellbeing coordinator and an admin support worker. Brilliant. So that's a diverse team across certainly health and including some roles that might be considered to be social care, like the well-being. Yeah. Initially, we were hoping that we could include domiciliary care as well. And we worked closely with the local authority on that. In practice, their contracting arrangements at the moment are too complicated to allow that to happen. But that is definitely something that we would want to do in the future so that we've got all those aspects of care together and that people aren't having to retell their story to different people who might have something to contribute. That's good. And I think, like you, that the future has to be integrated health and social teams if they're working in the neighbourhood in the way that you describe there. Yeah. What about self-management in practice? So did they have a coach? What were their meetings like? What's the detail of, of how they made decisions? Again, we, we picked the best from the three models that we were looking at. So we had coaching from the Burtzorg team, coaching from your team. And we also had a coach from CWP who was trained in systemic coaching approaches So initially, the external coaching helped us to set up the team, supported them to develop their vision, um, to understand the new way of working. And then the internal coach then supported them for the first 12, 18 months to embed the new practice and then gradually withdrew. And the natural leader in the team has taken on more of a coaching role and also the service manager has developed a more coaching approach to supporting the team. And what other roles did the team take internally? Because I know both in wellbeing teams and in Burtzog teams, their different roles are shared. What kind of roles does this team have? They have worked out their, their own way of working. So one of the team is is naturally very good at coordinating care and linking in with other agencies. So they've taken on a bigger role in that area. The previous team leader is a natural leader. So she tends to take on that role and to give feedback to the wider organisation about the experience that the team is having and how we can help them to be at their best. And then they have embraced the new role of nursing associate, which has all aspects of care. So unlike nursing, they aren't branched, so they can bring a mental health component as well as a physical health aspect. So they've embraced that new role and that is a very supportive role to help the other registered professionals to be able to work at the edge of their practice. They make decisions together. So they, were possible, 
reach decisions through consensus and they agreed themselves that individually if they couldn't be at the the team meeting where decisions were being made then they would go with the consensus rather than have that situation where people who weren't involved then struggle with decisions that are made they chose to to work in that way they prioritize their own workloads and determine who is best to provide care for individual people and they work together as well so rather than having an OT going separately and then a nurse going in and then a support worker they will work out together who's best to provide what aspect of care and they're not precious so they will work across boundaries because it's based on what's best for the person rather than what's in your job description. So Avril, if we're playing devil's advocate, what if somebody said, but isn't that just great multidisciplinary team working? What, what's really different about this team? Having spent a day with them, I think they're a very happy team. And that's something that isn't measured in terms of contracts and, and the way that we, we usually measure outcomes. But the team are happy. The nurse that I shadowed that day said to me that she'd actually been on the countdown to retirement but now she's not going to retire because at last she's free to be the nurse that she always wanted to be and that was a heart-stopping moment for me because it was it was just fantastic and I saw her as well in traditional ways of working we have a prioritization system so that people with the greatest needs get priority for visits and there's a a checklist that you would go through to determine that but because the team is self-driving one of the visits that we did was somebody who had a leg ulcer dressing change she didn't actually need it changing that day from a physical point of view but the nurse knew that her husband had just died and that the lady was preparing for his funeral So she chose to go and see her that day and I watched her, she did the dressing and then she sat and listened as the lady worked through some of the issues that she was struggling with. And that, you know, that's exactly what we wanted because hopefully that that lady will stay well with that extra care that, that was put in there. And that that's exactly the sort of thing that we were hoping for because the team know their people the best they know what their people need and their best place to deliver that so what we've done is free them to be able to do that I mean that sounds like a a big success what what else are you proud of what else would you describe as the successes of this way of working I think the team are much more aware of people's mental health needs and their social needs and they know better who to contact to provide that extra support rather than thinking they have to be all things to all people. They recognise that they've got a particular role, but there's other people in the community who can do some of the social connecting in a much better way than we can. I think that they've been able to grow in person-centredness and really get alongside people and understand what matters to them. And that's what I, I really like about your model. It's, it's understanding what is a great day for you and how can I help you to have a great day every day. Um, it's a very different way of looking at things than traditionally in the NHS where we've looked at what are your signs and symptoms and how can we alleviate those. Um, it is much more closely aligned with, with what matters to the person. And, of course, one of the 
things that Burtzog is, is famous for is the financial situation and the fact that although the costs are slightly higher on an hourly rate, as it were, people need less support to achieve their, their outcomes. So what's been your experience around the amount of service and the cost of services here? This, I think, is a really tricky one to answer because our costs have, have pretty much remained the same. What has changed is the, the quality. I think, you know, I'm pretty sure that there will be financial savings within that, and especially as we develop teams across all our services and we have a focus on staying well rather than reacting when, when somebody's not well, um, then there'll be definite financial savings. But trying to, to link it with one service in our com very complicated structure is really difficult and we've not had the resources to be able to to evidence that but intuitively we know that this will be the most cost effective way of providing care what's going to happen next are you planning to spread or scale these teams what's the the future plans here we've got um a plan to develop this approach across all our community neighbourhood teams um, within the next two years. And we're also looking at how we can develop self-driving teams in other services, the mental health community, mental health teams, but also on the wards as well. And I think this, again, is, is where the, the Timpson approach is really challenging us as an organisation because we work as part of a bigger system and it's how we can influence outwards in that system so that we can help grow a system where we have standards that are across, but also some strong accountability so that we are constantly improving and getting the best outcomes for people. So I think that journey will continue. Very pleased to see that the, the long-term plan is very much focused on leadership style and is moving away from the traditional command and control model the NHS was built on, on military principles back in 1948. That's not what we need now. So it's getting away from that strict hierarchy into a more fluid, community-focused, networked leadership style. So it's great to be a part of that. And it's, it's great that the whole system is actually shifting in that way because that's exactly what we need to be able to develop our teams further. And you've been using the term self-driving teams. Please explain why that term is the term that resonates with people. I know that originally you were talking about self-managed teams, etc. How has the language evolved? Well, I, that's quite interesting because we did, we had feedback from different groups about what that term meant to them. And we found that it was actually raising anxiety among some people and that people were interpreting it as a free-for-all and dismissing the structures and the expertise that were around the team. And I'm thinking support services, so financial support, HR support, services like that, because it isn't a free-for-all. So we worked with the team and we talked to lots of people about what would better describe it. And the reason that self-driving was developed is because 
The team are in the driving seat. So they are developing and driving their, their own service. But self-driving cars have to have an infrastructure. So you've still got traffic lights. You've still got roads. You've still got standardisation in that, that a self-driving car couldn't exist without that infrastructure. We found it more respectful to the other services that are around the team to show that the team do need those supports as well. And I think that's quite important in, in public services where there's an anxiety about people not working to standards and guidance because this team does have givens. But within those givens, they've got freedom to, to work in the way that they think is best for the people that they're caring for see um, that there is this perception that self-management is a free-for-all and my experience is actually you need more structure but a different kind of structure to help people to be creative and and take responsibility in a new way but but, Avril this is such a different way of working what's got in the way what are some of the things that have been difficult along this process there's been some financial challenges so whilst we had funding in the beginning because we were a pilot we had funding for the the mental health worker as that pilot phase came to an end we haven't yet managed to secure funding to to keep that role going so that was quite sad for us we are working as i've mentioned in in a system that is still quite hierarchical in terms of its leadership. So that creates challenges along the way. And we found as well that we were at different stages of development. So the social worker on the team has had challenges because although she's based with our team and working as part of our team, because of where the local authority is at in its development, she has needed to effectively ride two horses and comply with the the requirements of the local authority as well as working with us. And that's part of the integration journey. So we've needed to support the team and individuals in the team in different ways to help them to deal with some of those challenges. And I think there has been... A lot of work, the team have worked with all the services in the locality to develop some different ways of working that have needed a big input to start off with and then people have got used to it. And one example of that is the the work they've done in supporting family to provide different aspects of care. They decided that that would be a good thing to do and then they've worked with other organisations in the community to provide that support to families. So, and once they've done that once, then the next time it's been much easier to do. So I think that they are the the main, and, and of course, from the original visioning day, we haven't yet managed to include all the aspects of care that, that we want to in the team. There was other things that people recognised were needing. An example of this is a a handyman. It's a rural community and some of the older people, that would be the thing that would make a difference to their health and wellbeing. And we've not been able to expand in a way that's secured that. 
Although, on the other hand, we have been able to build relationships with the communities that when we had heavy snow in the winter, some of the the local people who who had four-wheel drives turned up at the team base to support the team to to get out on the visit. So things like that are brilliant. You know, that just shows that we're we're heading in the right direction, but we're not there yet. And I think, you know, it's it's probably be three to five years into the the long-term plan before we we see those system changes that we need to see to to support teams like this to embed and to keep working in the way that they're working. So this innovative way of working does absolutely require system changes. And I think the complexity of working with multiple partners, the way that you just described the social work experience is a really good example of how all organisations would be required to think differently about how HR works, how finance works, what we expect from people to, to fully embrace self-direction or, or self-management. It's been amazing to hear the commitment to rolling this out. So we, we know that there are lots of Bertsog teams that are, are working in, in particular ways, which is, is great. But I haven't heard somebody at your level yet say, yes, our plan is to take this forward, to expand it and even to include wards in this so all the best with your retirement i'm sure your retirement won't look like a traditional retirement at all but thank you for your pioneering role in getting this started in cheshire and thank you for all your help with it helen you've been amazing thank you for listening i'd love to hear your reflections please tweet me i'm at helen at wb teams This podcast is a companion to Open Teams. On this podcast, we share the voices and stories of pioneering organizations in health, care, and public services. And on Open Teams, you can see the documents that they're using. Have a look at openteams.co.uk. And if you're interested in wellbeing teams, please come and find me on LinkedIn, where I share a weekly two-minute film, or my blog site, helensanderson.net. And finally, if you're interested in self-management and need some support along the way, I'd love to hear from you. I'm at helen at wellbeingteams.org. Thank you.